Welcome to episode number 13 of The Kevin Rook Show. Today's a very special episode because it's the first episode with a brand new sponsor, Voltage. Voltage, if you are not familiar with them, is the premier provider of Bitcoin and Lightning Node infrastructure. We'll share more about them later on in the show. Um, but today's chat is actually with Voltage's CEO and founder, Graham Krizik. In the conversation, we talk a lot about uh, Lightning Nodes today, some of the pain points people face while uh, setting up Lightning Nodes, um, how businesses are using Lightning Nodes today, and what the future of the Lightning Network might look like. This is also a Lightning podcast. So if you have any questions throughout the episode at any point, open up a Lightning podcasting app. My favorite is Fountain. Um, you can send sats, you can send messages, you can send your comments, questions, whatever it is, and I will answer everything at the end of the show in the Lightning round. Hope you enjoy the episode. Graham, thanks for coming on the show today. How are you doing? Hey, thanks for having me, Kevin. Excited to be here. How about we start with uh, a bit about your background? Um, how mm -hmm. did you get into Bitcoin? How did you decide you wanted to build on Lightning? And then why you decided to start Voltage? Yeah, for sure. Uh, my education like around Bitcoin really starts in about 2013. Um, I just found out about it just uh, researching through things uh, that are kind of just like in some forums on the internet of just, you know, new technology that was coming out. And I read about Bitcoin and I found it super fascinating um, from both the techno te uh, technology aspect of it as well as kind of the economic properties of it. Um, thought it was thought it was just fascinating. Um, and I just, it really intrigued my interest. And uh, at that time, I think it was probably around like $5 or something. And I never really took it. Uh, I never really thought about it as like this, you know, the global disruptor that it is today and all of these things about it, you know, being uh, $40,000 and all of this stuff. Um, I really just thought it was this like really cool peer-to-peer -peer payment network. And even when the day that it got to $20, I, I think I told a friend like, man, this stuff's getting really expensive. Like, I, I don't know if I need to be like messing around with this anymore. It's uh, so it's, it's really kind of crazy how um, I think there's a lot of people in that boat of, you know, in the early days, we saw it as this awesome technology that enabled a lot of things, um, but maybe just didn't quite catch on of like, you know, the true ramifications of the Bitcoin technology. Um, but expanding on that. So I really I, I fell in love with it, but really kind of kept it as a hobby. Uh, went, I've spent most of my career being a software engineer, um, specifically in the kind of the public cloud space. Um, I've worked for various, you know, smaller startups as well as some larger companies, um, and really got a, 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 an interesting take on kind of modern day infrastructure and how applications are developed and ran and deployed. Um, and then kind of kept Bitcoin as a, as a hobby through that process. And, uh, and then when I it was like early 2020 when I started to look more into the Lightning Network because I really wanted to kind of work in Bitcoin, but there wasn't a lot of jobs for what I was doing. There wasn't there wasn't a lot of jobs kind of period. It was still a little niche um, at that time. And so I started looking, okay, like what's the next thing in Bitcoin? Like where is this system evolving? The very obvious answer was the Lightning Network. That was the thing that was you know starting to come online and starting to become um, more and more popular, more and more. Um, There's like mainnet deployments and things like that by that time. Um, and so I started to play around with it and started to try and run a lightning node at home. Uh, that became a very hard process. Like there's like, I don't even think any of the, at, like even node in the box things that are out today were out then. I was just trying to set up like L&D built from source on a Raspberry Pi. And it was just a really horrible process. Um, nothing worked. Uh, and that's kind of where I had the idea of like, man, there has to be like some kind of like service that offers like this. Uh, you know, a, ho a hosting provider for this stuff so I can just start using Lightning Network without having to worry about all of these things. Um, and that really didn't exist. So that kind of like piqued my interest, uh, started to build out just in my free time, what would be like the Voltage platform. And it just kind of uh, took off from there and just never really stopped. And, it, you know, people were using it and liking it. And then one day I decided like, all right, let's, <laughs> let's do this for real. And uh, kind of formalized it and built a company. And, you know, and that, that's where we're at today. Nice. So you've had this experience from starting with like a, a horrible user experience, building your own node, mm -hmm. trying to figure out how it all worked when, when none of this documentation existed really, it was just very hard to build. Now, fast forward to today, where it's much easier, how far do you think we are along that kind of user experience spectrum of like really hard to, to super easy, anyone can do it? Are we halfway there? Are we a quarter of the way there? Three quarters? 
Yeah, um, that's a good question. And I think that um, it depends on how how you're using it and like kind of what what angle you're coming at the Lightning Network from. Um, you know, when you think about some of the custodial wallet providers, like Wallet of Satoshi and things like that, they work pretty well. Um, if you're just trying to, you know, send a payment or whatever, I mean, it, it, they work well. And so if you are just trying to do a custodial payment service, I think that, that that's fairly well solved. I'm sure there's some like, you know, enhancements to do and whatnot, but those work really well. If you're thinking about coming at it from, uh, you know, an enterprise business standpoint where you're trying to set up, you know, robust production grade infrastructure that is going to, you know, be handling thousands of customers, doing lots of payments, yada, yada, yada. Um, there's still a long ways to go on that front. Um, there's still a lot of uh, maturity to go through um, all implementations and all, you know, all the, the tooling around it. Um, and, you know, even even the people that are doing that at home things with Umbrels and MyNode and all of those services, um, there's still a decent amount of setup involved. There's still a decent amount of like, you know, you get the manager channel, set up all of those things. So um, if you're coming at it from like the purely more like self-sovereign or kind of mission critical side of things, there's still a lot of work to be done. Um, and I see it, I've made this, I kind of made this comparison at like the Nashville Bitcoin meetup, uh, like last week or so that I see it. Uh, if you think about the early internet where you got like the internet through the phone lines, and you're playing an online video game, and if someone called your landline, your game would get disconnected because like that call took up like that that piece. And it was like it's thinking about that now. That's so crazy. It's like you know this that seems so silly. Um, I see this almost kind of like that in the Lightning Network now, where I think one day there'll be like oh like uh, you have to manage your channels, you have to do this and that, and um, so I think that there's still a lot of improvements to be done. Um, that will be, you know, coming along as, as the network progresses. I like that analogy. So, so we're in kind of the dial up phase of the internet where you can use it, but it's not great. And there's things that can be improved. Do you think that mm -hmm. as we transition to the, the high speed or the fiber optic version of the internet, um, what does that look like for your business and for other kind of like lightning service providers, I guess, is this, is, mm -hmm. is that where. You know, will, will Voltage entirely automate the process then of balancing channels and making sure everything is working smoothly all the time? It, or is this going to be something users take care of on their own? How, how do you see that evolving? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of automation possibilities, both from Voltage and, you know, the implementations themselves and other service providers. So I think that there's a lot of optimizations in that area. Uh, I think that um, down the road, yeah, when you think about, you know, the high-speed internet version of the Lightning Network, uh, we, I think that all, all of it could be automated away and you don't, I, I think that the, the path that I envision it going is that you have as much control as you want. You could, you know, in that world, you could set up your node on autopilot where it's doing all of the things by itself and working well and you don't have to touch anything. But if you wanted to get in there and open a channel to a specific node for some reason, like you can kind of go down that path and get your hands dirty. Um, so that's the way I kind of imagine it playing out where a lot of this stuff will be automated away and you don't have to worry about, you know, these kind of little nuts and bolts of kind of what's going on under the hood. But uh, I think that we'll still have the optionality to, to do that if you want to. That's kind of what I love about Bitcoin as a whole and then, you know, Lightning Network and all of the things on top of it is, you have a lot of optionality across the whole path, right? Of whether, um, when you think about even just on-chain Bitcoin, you can use a custodian or you can use some kind of provider to handle your Bitcoin and send and receive. Or if you didn't want to do that, you have the option to hold your keys yourself and transact yourself, do all those things. Um, and it's kind of like, it goes along the spectrum of lightning and everything like that. You can choose the bits and pieces where you want to take your risks and where you want to take, you know, handle, take custody into your own control. Um, and so I, I see that evolving through the Lightning Network where you will have the optionality to be as automated or um, as you know manual as you wanted it to be. And through this evolution of Lightning nodes, do you also see new use cases for nodes coming to the fore? Like right now, all we can kind of do, well, there's a few, there's a few emerging applications that are more interesting than just payments, but one of the dominant ones today is just making pay payments and receiving payments. Are there going to be new mm -hmm. things that people can do with their node over time? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Um, I think there's kind of like a big debate in the community right now of like, you know, how much do we put on the Lightning Network itself compared to like doing it in other meth, you know, other channels and 
um, you know, handling Lightning as just a payments layer. Um, I'm kind of I'm kind of like in the middle of it, I guess, where I think that I think that there are some new use cases that can come from Lightning. Uh, and you know, I'm not. I think that a good analogy of like uh, a bad idea is you know, like streaming movies through the Lightning Network. Like that's kind of silly. That would never really work. Um, and so I think that there is uh, there's some opportunity still to uh, add Lightning either natively, you know, on the Lightning Network as a peer-to-peer network, or being able to tie it in very closely with the Lightning Network, where you're, you know, maybe some services tied to like an HTLC being cleared or something, where uh, the service is still out of band, but it has some ties into the network uh, that you know can enable or disable services, things like that. So I think that there are a lot of use cases still to be discovered, and you know, it, that's one of the great things that I like about what we do is we're kind of a, a service provider that allows people to build whatever they want to build. And so we get to see a lot of new use cases of people that are building, you know, entirely new applications that don't exist on the Lightning Network today, or even just taking an old system that's, you know, kind of working fine in, in the fiat world and incorporating Lightning into it to enable, you know, a whole new set of users. Uh, and so I think that that's, we get a really unique view of what's being built on the Lightning Network by, you know, by where we sit in the stack and being able to work with a lot of these companies that are building things that, uh, you know, are brand new or, uh, you know, enable some new use case in, in existing technology. I think there's a lot of Bitcoiners who either have never experienced the Lightning Network still or mm-hmm. maybe maybe have, but don't run their own node. Um, if you were to pitch a Bitcoiner or a Bitcoin business, maybe someone who is familiar enough with the with the concept of Bitcoin, but doesn't have their own Bitcoin or Lightning node, how would you pitch them? What are the kind of the selling points from your guys' perspective of what would you say to them to get them to set up a Lightning node? Yeah, for sure. Um, I always like to lead off as like it, there's there's nothing. Well, maybe there's just a few things that are more magical feeling than being than sending a payment on the Lightning Network on your own node. It's like it's like the coolest feeling in the world, and so I want everyone to experience that feeling. Um, but at a more practical standpoint, I think that uh, you know if you're if there's a person that's like you know into Bitcoin and haven't hasn't quite experienced the Lightning Network yet, I think that they understand a lot of the you know the importance of the Lightning Network and and what it's made for and, you know, the, the, the reasons to use it. And so I think it's just, uh, it's primarily opening the door to them to showing them what's possible on the Lightning Network, you know, being able to either just send quickly and, you know, for very little fees or uh, enabling, you know, the applications like Zion and Sphinx Chat or uh, doing the podcasting 2.0 stuff. So I think that I really like to lead off with showing them what is possible on the network. Like there is... Some people think that, okay, Lightning is just for payments. Like it's only, you know, I don't really, I only huddle Bitcoin. I never send to receive or, you know, whatever. Um, and so I think that and opening up the door to what else is possible besides just the payments really um, lets them kind of, their, their mind start to think more, more critically about, you know, why should I be running my own node and why should I be participating in this network? Um and then I think I think from there it's a they start to you know do their own research and then come to the conclusion that they they ultimately should or at least like I, I always kind of take the the selling point of you know if you're a Bitcoiner you probably like fell down the rabbit hole and like you know did all the research and understood why Bitcoin is important all those things you should do the same thing with Lightning it's kind of it's the next phase of Bitcoin and so you should totally you know kind of take the take the second rabbit hole right uh, go down this whole other path of you know this Lightning network and what's possible on it. Um, and that's usually uh, usually enough to get people interested. I mean, at the very least, running like a mobile wallet, like a Breeze or something. Um, and then, you know, I think over time they, they graduate into their own node. Right. Do you think that there's going to come a time where um, people on board to the Lightning Network, well, I guess maybe some do today already, um, but exclusively mm-hmm. for routing versus using the interesting applications on Lightning? Because um, I, I get the impression mm-hmm. right now that, um, many people that I've talked to route payments, but they're not there just for routing. They're ju- they're there because they need to to run their own node, and then they realize they can make make revenue on the side. Do you think mm-hmm. there ever comes a time where people exclusively route payments, and then there's a segment that exclusively uses applications? 
Yeah, no, for sure. I think that that, that definitely, uh, I see that as the path forward. And there's like some people that do it today. Um, I think that the, the difficulty right now is uh, to route. I mean, there's kind of the difference between like routing for like the biz, like a business standpoint of like trying to be profitable on your routing and things like that, or just, you know, hey, I just want to route some payments just for fun kind of thing. Um, and I think that routing and earning serious money on routing is a really difficult process. It's not something that you can just, we even get people coming to us saying, hey, I want to like route payments. I just want to set up a node and just start routing. And then assuming that it's like some Ethereum staking service or something where they're just going to start earning a return. And it's like, it's really not that. You really have to take time and effort to figure out where is the traffic flowing across your node and then optimize for those routes and do it's way more hands-on um, as far as, you know, earning decent returns on routing. It's not something you can necessarily set it and forget it. Um, and that's something that, you know, our, our support engineer, Nate, has written um, some decent blog posts uh, on uh, here recently that everyone should, like, check out on our blog. But he, he basically set up, you know, our Voltage node that we've really just been set up for just payments to receive payments for our services. Uh, but he uh, has been, we've been optimizing more and deploying a lot more Bitcoin into it. Uh, to really kind of do a, another learning ex exercise of how do you route payments and what does the network like today? I um, mean, he's been writing a, a blog post uh, kind of through his journey. Um, and it's been really interesting. It does kind of start out of just uh, deploying channels out and then seeing where that traffic goes and then kind of, you know, closing some channels, opening some new ones to uh, effectively uh, make sure that that traffic is passing across your node and then, you know, capturing a, a small amount of fees for that. So uh, to kind of... To answer your question more succinctly, I think that there definitely is the opportunity, you know, to for people that come to the Lightning Network just for routing. And I think that that definitely does exist, but I think it's a pretty challenging thing to do today. I mean, to do it in a, in a very good way and, you know, to earn some decent returns on. But again, I think that there is maybe some optimization for that down the road. Like when we were talking about the high-speed internet stuff, um, I think that there could be tools and services that, you know, are basically will like auto-tune your node to just enhance, like, optimize for routing and that's it and and then then maybe it's way way easier to do a profitable routing at that point yeah because now now the way you described it and, and my experience as well has been like it really you really do have to be like a hobbyist to kind of and a really like mm -hmm. you have to be engaged you have to be um hands-on and you have to be like always monitoring your node if you want to um successfully route payments and and even some degree if you want to participate uh within the lightning network um, over mm -hmm. time, do you think that we're, that lightning nodes are going to be confined to this like hobbyist engaged population, or is it going to be something that anyone and everyone can access in the same way that anyone and everyone can put uh, an internet router in their, in their home and kind of just set it and forget it. It's there and there's billions of them, but you don't think about it. Yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely think that that's that's a reality that we will move to is you know kind of the the second option that you mentioned there of where it's you know it's just kind of set it and forget it and you don't have to really worry about a lot of those you know a lot of the the small details about running a node um, and I think that that's definitely something that you know we're we're exploring as well. We get a lot of people that you know come to us that say, hey, we want to you know accept Lightning payments through BTC Pay server. Uh, you know, how do we do that? And we kind of have to like coach them. Okay. Like here's, here's your channels. Here's like what a channel is. Here's how you set them up. You have to like, make sure that this is right. That's right. And they're just like, oh no, forget it. Um, I, I don't want to go through all of that work, which I really don't blame them for. Um, and then they're just kind of forced into some custodial solution. Uh, and so, uh, I think that that's something that, you know, we're looking at. And I know that others are looking at too, is like, how do we make this as easy as possible for the people that are, don't want to be that kind of, you know, maybe hardcore hobbyist that watches their node all the time and manages their channels. They just want to accept payments or they just want to listen to a podcast and stream sats. They just want to do things that, um, that isn't so hands-on and so, you know, in the weeds. And, um, so I think that that will be, uh, automated away or there's things that can make that much easier. And, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out the best way to, to bring that to market. I'm sure as well as others are too. And, you know, in the voltage business, you guys, you guys have, uh, individuals and kind of like retail audience, and then you also have businesses and enterprises. How do you think about where that focus is going to be over time for you guys? Is that, are you shifting towards enterprises and helping them like accept payments, merchants accepting payments, or is it retail 
uh, a retail focus? Um, I think that we'll definitely be moving towards, I mean, we, we, we kind of are, but focusing uh, more on, you know, kind of the developer and like builder aspects of it. I think that really enabling the people that haven't either, you know, come up with an idea where they want to incorporate lightning and really offer them the full, like, you know, toolkit to, to make that a reality. And then scaling that on up to like, you know, large businesses that are doing, you know, production grade deployments of that need a bunch of assurances and a lot of monitoring and things uh, built in. Um, so kind of taking that that first step of, you know, the, the developer that just has this idea, giving them an easy toolkit to be able to create that and then scaling it into, you know, the large deployments that you see today. And so um, for us, I think that we, we, de- we, we sort of, so in the last 12 months, I mean, we launched in October of 2020 and, you know, we kind of launched not really knowing exactly where, where the market's going to lead us. And we kind of, that's why we have, you know, a, a nodes as cheap as $10 a month up to, you know, professional nodes that are kind of custom made. Uh, and so, you know, we just kind of wanted to, to launch and see what the, the market has, has to say and what people need out there. Um, and I think that there's a decent amount of individuals that, that use us that are, you know, maybe nomads or something that don't have a, they just kind of travel around. They don't have a, a place where they can plug in a node at home. And so um, they use us for things like that. And then uh, we've definitely, you know, seen a good amount of adoption from from the builders and the, the larger businesses as well. So um, I definitely see the market pulling us into the, the developer, into, you know, enterprise business end of things. And I think that that's where there's, there's a huge amount of opportunity to build products there as well. I think that, you know, when you think about, when you think about the technology stacks outside of Bitcoin and just general, you know, applications and services, there's, there's a tool for just about everything. There's ways to do, you know, there's like five different ways to do anything that you want. And with lightning, it's very, very limited. You know, you have a very small set of tools, a lot of, maybe there's a lot of gaps in tooling as well. And there's very finite ways of doing things. And I think that that's a, a big problem in the network is that, uh, when you see developers coming from outside of Bitcoin, um, wanting to write applications on the Lightning Network, they're hit with a lot of problems. There's a lot of hurdles. There's a lot of friction points to get them up and running. And I think that there's a, there's a lot of opportunity to, to make that easier for them. Um, you know, I think that that's frankly why some of the Ethereum, you know, services have, have beaten us in terms of developers writing applications for things like Ethereum compared to like Bitcoin and Lightning is that there is, there is you know, a lot of tooling around this the, the ecosystem and I think that we need to bring that into Bitcoin. We need to make it like, you know, just dead simple to start writing an app that incorporates Lightning and, you know, start sending and receiving payments or whatever it is. Uh, and so that's kind of the, the area that we're looking looking at, you know, over the next 12 months. In your view, what are the what are those friction points or kind of roadblocks that are most concerning today? Like, what, what do we really need to fix to help Bitcoin developers um, build applications on Lightning? Yeah, I think that I think the one that I hear the most out of just people in the community is like just the liquidity management. So even you know, even if you're an expert node runner and you know what you're doing, it's just kind of a pain in the butt to manage your liquidity and make make sure you have your channels in the right place and you're not failing payments, things like that. So I think in the liquidity management space, there's a lot of work to be done, and I know that there's several people working on on those those things. Um, and then uh, additionally, uh, just there's a lot of the implementation, there's a lot of uh, disparity between all the different implementations and figuring out which one you should use when, and they all have different APIs. There's a lot of different um, ways to interact with them. And so kind of standardizing that, I think would go a long way in creating you know, a consistent uh, interface where you can, uh, doesn't matter which, how many nodes you have or what nodes they are, or, you know, any of those things, you just have a very you know, simple like API or service to be able to interact with them. Um, I think that that could uh, go a long way as well. So uh, I think that, you know, the two that I would say most are liquidity management and then just the interfacing with the Lightning Network, you know, whether it's through your implementation or otherwise, um, could use a lot of work. Mm -hmm. You've mentioned the idea of like people running multiple nodes and and managing between them. What, in what use case uh, does developer need more than one node? Can Can you explain like why someone might opt for just picking one or having, you know, dozens or hundreds of nodes. Um, what are the kind of trade-offs there? Yeah, it really, I mean, it really depends on your use case, but uh, I'll say that uh, the reason why we, we usually recommend like several nodes for, for a customer that's doing like production deployments that, you know, is like a mission critical application that's using the Lightning Network. 
Um, and that's for several reasons. One is a lot of these, uh, a lot of the implementations today are not really written to run uh, in a highly available way. And when I, you know, for this kind of a technical term of highly available, but it basically means if you can have multiple instances of a, of a node, and if one component fails, it will fail over to a new one and continue running. Um, there's a, the implementations are working on enhancing that those features. I think that all three of them, I mean, the or four of them, the major ones are all working on things like that. But I wouldn't say that it's you know quite there yet. So when you think about running a, a Lightning node, you have to do things like just version upgrades, or sometimes they crash, or you have to compact a database, or you have to do this and that where it brings your node offline. Well, if you have one node and you're trying to process payments or use it in your application, that means your application is offline for that amount of time to upgrade it or whatever you need to do. And so that's why we always recommend at least, you know, two nodes is that you're able to either, you know, round robin or just use one as failover. So if you ever need to upgrade one, you still have a node there to process your payments. Um, and so that's really that's really the need to have more than one node is um, it, it's sort of with throughput too. If you're doing a really high amount of transactions, it can you know you can increase that by adding more nodes. But I would say it's more so on the highly available aspect of it, where if if you have one node and it fails for whatever reason or it goes offline for whatever reason, your application is or that piece of your application is, is down. And so it's really adding resiliency to where. Um, you know, a node restart or something doesn't take down your whole application. Right. Does it improve the way payments are routed as well? Like if, if you can get access to a different part of the network with another node, um, does that improve managing liquidity and, and those kinds of things too? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And there's, there's several ways to do that. You know, you could have like, say if you have two nodes and you can open up channels to kind of one part of the network or a specific group of people with one node and a different group of people with the other node and then have some business logic in your application to know which node to use for which scenario. Or you could also just kind of just open up channels, you know, in, in any way on both of the nodes and then just have retrying where if you try on node A, and the payment fails, just retry that payment on node B. Um, it might add a little bit of time to someone sending a payment, but it would hopefully succeed on, on that second try. So it gives a greater success probability if you're able to try on a different node with a different set of routes. Mm. Are you seeing any, any trends in payment successes on Lightning um, over time? Like I, I imagine you guys have between your node and then, and then customer stuff, I imagine you get you get a pretty unique perspective on how payments are flowing through the network. Um, are you seeing higher payment success rates, higher payment volumes? What are you kind of seeing from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen I've seen both. I've seen higher payment successes and higher volumes. Um, you know, when when we first started, when I was you know really building the application, and you know, say May of 2020, it was like you went to do a payment with the expectation that it was going to fail and you're going to have to retry a few times or something like that. And we, we've really moved away from that where uh, there's, I'm actually surprised when a payment fails from like my note or even withdrawing from river or any of the, the platform custodial platforms that integrate lightning. Um, it's very rare that I've actually had an error in sending a payment. Um, you know, it's obviously, it's hard to generalize that because every node is different. Every node is connected to, you know, their own set of nodes, things like that. But in general, I've seen a very, very increase. There's a large increase in the number of successful payments in my personal experience and from our customers. And it goes along with what I was just mentioning with like, you know, I think we're really learning about, okay, we should have two nodes instead of one so we can have a better success of or a probability of success when sending a payment. So I think that there's a, been a lot of learnings over the last several years of, okay, how are we gonna do this to increase our chances of getting a successful payment? Um, so I think that that's definitely there. And then, I mean, it's no no lie, There's it's pretty obvious that the capacity in the Light Network has been increasing like pretty substantially over the last year. And I think that that just increases with a uh, payment size too, where I think, you know, with well, Wumbo, I can't remember when Wumbo came out in L&D where you can basically make bigger channels and there was previously like a, a threshold of you couldn't go over the certain limit and they increased it a lot. And some, I think it was maybe L&D 012 or something. But uh, 
with things like that, people are creating bigger channels, which has, has bigger capacity. Like the other, I think it was around Christmas time. I did, I think six payments of like a hundred thousand sats each, like one after the other and all, all went through like no problem. And it was, it was honestly surprising of like, wow, this is really starting to work and be uh, more reliable than it previously has been. So to answer your question, I think that it's been great, uh, great improvements in both uh, size and success of payments. How big do you think payments will be on Lightning? Like how will this, will we eventually, actually maybe a way to frame this is like, we have, there's like three or four uh, main metrics people use for tracking growth of Lightning. Like they use mm -hmm. the public capacity growth, the channel growth, um, number of nodes. Do you think that the nodes and channels will outpace or underpace the, the growth of public capacity? Um, that's a good question. I think that, I mean, I think they've, they've been fairly on track so far. Uh, th that's a good question. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how, I think, that, I think that the, the capacity is going to like outpace nodes. I think that, you know, th that's the thing about, you know, the, the, not the problem, but the nuance with the number of nodes compared to the, the capacity on the lightning network is, you know, the number of nodes, it's pretty easy now. I mean, it's pretty easy now, like through voltage and things like that to spin up nodes. And a node might have 100,000 sats on it only, or there could be a single node that has five Bitcoin on it. And so um, I think that the, you know, they're obviously very decorrelated in, in, in their, uh, I think that through the last year, they've been semi-correlated, but I think that's going to decouple over time where there'll be a lot more capacity with less nodes being added. And I think that that's fine um, because of, like I said, of, you know, a, one no two nodes in the network aren't, aren't aren't the same thing, right? There could be very different in capacity. Um, and so I think that there will be a lot more capacity added with fewer nodes, um, just for that, the sake of people having more confidence in the Lightning Network and being able to deploy more money to it, you know, having the assurances that this is this is going to be okay and I'm not just gonna lose my funds for some crazy problem that, that, that I encounter. Right, and then so the second part of that would be then if, if capacity and number of nodes are decoupling, does capacity and payment volume across Lightning also decouple? Like, do you think that the, the total volume of payments going through Lightning is going to exceed capacity then, the growth of capacity? When you, when you say that, you're thinking about like number of payments or size of payments? Like vault value of payments, so total value. volume. Yeah, I think that, well, yeah, I think that, I think that those, I don't know if I'd say, I think that they would, be coupled and that there, you know, the more capacity that the network has, the more that you're able to send, like the larger your payment size are, the more you're able to send as well. Because, you know, when you think about it, if, if I wanted to send you a thousand payments that were only five sats each, well, that's still draining that channel, you know, for me to you. And so uh, eventually that payment channel is going to run out of liquidity on my side. And so, you know, then I'm going to start having payment failure. So I think that even with even if we aren't thinking about bigger channels, just strictly more channels is good as well because they'll you know get drained less and less frequently. Um, and so I think that uh, I think that they the amount of capacity as it increases on the network will be correlated to the number of payments and the size of payments um, that that happen. And I think additionally is something that you know is something that we we have really no visibility into, which is a good thing. Is that you know the whole private channels, private capacity of the network, um, and that you know if there was a say a, a large hedge fund that wanted to do uh, automated trading through the Lightning Network. It was like really really quick. Um, they probably aren't going to put like if they want to trade a Bitcoin on that. They're probably not going to open a public channel to that. They're probably going to do a private channel to like the exchange only, and then do you know do that uh, through through that channel. And so I think that um, there's always I mean there's a ton of nuances with the Lightning Network, but I think that's an important one that. Uh, this is only public capacity and private capacity is likely over time going to be far greater. Yeah. Do you have any insight into how big private capacity might be in comparison to public? I know there was a report, I think BitMEX might've put it out a year or two ago and it's, it's often cited in the industry, but that the data I think is from like January, 2020. Um, so curious to know if you have any perspective <laughs> thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I, we really don't. I mean, like the nodes that we run, we don't really have much visibility into. Um, and then especially, you know, on the private side of things, I, I don't have I don't have a lot of data comparing comparing, you know, public to private. 
Um, but something that I will say is, you know, uh, Anthony Ronning, who's uh, with Impervious, he's done a lot of, he published a blog post, like, kind of explaining how private channels work and how there's, you know, they aren't, they're called private channels, but they're, a better word for it is kind of unannounced channels where um, they aren't 100% private, like no one could find out. If you did enough probing through the network and the on-chain data, you could probably find channels. Um, and so I think that he was, he was interested in doing some probing to see just capacity of private channels. But I think that that was just uh, an idea. And I don't know if he's uh, ever gone through the process of, of completing that. Mm. But over time, do you think that then private capacity is going to outpace public capacity? I think it could. I mean, I think it could. I think that as more and more things like I talked about with, you know, with trading or something, or even, you know, just two exchanges that just want a line of liquidity to each other that just want to put a bunch of liquidity into lightning, that's going to be a private channel. So I think if you're strictly talking about, you know, size of uh, amount of Bitcoin on lightning, I could definitely see private um, outpacing public. Yeah. Has anything surprised you in the last year or so of watching Lightning's growth? This could be this could be any kind of metric related thing or or something you're seeing in, in Voltage's business, but like we just saw such tremendous growth in the last 12 months of Lightning. Um, did anything particular stick out to you as like, whoa, I didn't see that coming or I didn't think this would happen so fast? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh... There's a couple things. I mean, something that I've been like really um, surprised by, but like in a very good way, is the uh, how close the community is and how willing everyone is to work with each other. Um, and I think that you know, there's other industries maybe aren't like that, or people are more adversarial. But I think that a lot of the people that are building on the Lightning Network genuinely want to work together and really want to help each other. You know, better the their products and then better the network as a whole. So. Um, that's been a very good thing uh, to see over the last you know year plus is uh, the collaboration amongst a lot of different Lightning Network you know companies or services, um, and I think that that's definitely helping the adoption of Lightning. Um, and then uh, the other one was um, around like uh, just being. I, I think that the, the payment successes was really like a, a big surprise for me. How 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 well that has increased over time, um, and then additionally, just like people, the amount of people that are coming to build on it, and the amount of people that really think like I guess similar to I do, and that the Lightning Network is a you know the long term solution for this rather than trying to like create your own coin or some shit coin or something like that. The amount of people that really um, get get it with the Lightning Network and Bitcoin has been has been very great to see. And you you think about people like Adam Curry, who's you know been uh, big in the podcasting 2.0 and the value for value model. Um, he he came from just you know an outsider that was just hey I I love podcasting. We need to figure out a way to get um, a more direct relationship between listener and host. And um, he he came and he, I mean he did his research and he found you know Bitcoin and Lightning Network and it was and it was the obvious case for him. So I think that people like that that are that are building on lightning and really get it, get the value prop of lightning and why other things are inferior. Um, it's just, it's surprising that it happened that fast, but it, it's great to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can definitely say for sure that I've had a number of people reach out, people interested in building on lightning, don't know where to start. DMs getting all the time from, from people who are just kind of like in the ecosystem and want to learn how to, to build on lightning. Um, and then also I agree that the first point, um, uh, I had I had Chris Tremont from Scarce City uh, on mm -hmm. last episode, and he talked about how you know when you're building on Bitcoin, you kind of have this just massive community of everyone that just wants you to win. They're just mm -hmm. like there to support. So I think that's I think that's a really um, really interesting point. Um, yeah. Now I, I want to talk a little bit more about Voltage specifically and, and Voltage's business. Um, I know you guys recently launched a feature called Flow. Can you tell, tell listeners a little bit about what that is and how it improves the experience for a Lightning Node operator? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so Flow is a product that uh, it's a liquidity management tool or it's a way to get liquidity to your Lightning Node. Um, so for those that aren't familiar, there's a product called Pool from Lightning Labs. Um, and what that is, is it's a, a public not well, it's, it's a public auction service 
where you can go and uh, buy and sell liquidity from other nodes in the network. So you can essentially say, hey, I want a million sat channel. I'm willing to pay this much for it. And then someone on the other side could say, okay, I, I'm selling a million sat channel. This is what I'll take. And then you can get matched up. And then you know a, a channel would open between you two. And so you can pay a small fee for essentially getting liquidity on the Lightning Network. Um, there's, uh, there's some hurdles to using pool just in the, like, you know, for new users, you already have to have a, have a channel established to use pool. You have to lock up funds for a certain amount of time to, to, to participate in the auction service, things like that. There's just a few hurdles with it. So we created Flow um, to essentially make that process easier. And through, uh, through Flow, you're able to use our UI or API um, to enter in, you know, the size of channel you want, um, give it a few parameters of how long the channel should be opened and whatnot. Um, and then just request a channel. Um, you would just, you know, easily pay the fee and then uh, you would get what's called a sidecar ticket, which is a piece of the pool uh, service. And then you could take that ticket and just go claim it on your node. And then you would get matched up in the auction service and then a channel would be open to you. So really the benefits here are um, making it very easy to just say, hey, I need a million sets. I'm a, I'm a store that needs to accept payments. I need like a million sets inbound to me. Um, I'm just going to go submit an order, claim this ticket, and, and, it, and it's there. Um, same thing for brand new users of, you know, if you have a brand new node, one of the hardest things to do is, okay, who, where do I open channels to? How do I get inbound liquidity? Or usually the solution for that right now is messaging people on Telegram saying, hey, who can open a channel to me? And so this is a way to automate that and make it way easier to just enter in the amount you want, you know, pay an invoice, and then start receiving it. Um, so it's really helped in just general liquidity management, but especially on uh, onboarding of new users. And the great thing about the service is that it doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to be running your node on Voltage to use it. You can claim your, you know, this channel, the sidecar ticket on an Umbral or a MyNode or a node, node that you just set up yourself or Voltage, any of them all support this, uh, the sidecar tickets as long as you're running, you know, the right software, but you can create a uh, channel into any node. Right. And so when you get an inbound channel created to you, um, you this is for a, a certain period of time, right? This is not necessarily forever. It's, it, what is it, like a two-week uh, time interval? Or I think that actually was recently changed, right? You can now do longer. Yeah, they just weeks. added, Lightning Labs just added new durations. There's a two-week duration, I think, um, like a, there's, a, there's like four durations. It's like a two-week, maybe two-month like six months in a year or something like that. So there are specific durations that you're purchasing the channel for. Mm. And this, this for, for someone who has a successful node and has a lot of channels already for, for someone who is in that position, they can then earn another source of income beyond just routing fee. Right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. If you, if you had, yeah, if you had a fairly well-established node, um, you can, uh, start selling liquidity through pool. So you could, yeah, just say, hey, I have an extra Bitcoin that I was just kind of sitting around and I'd love to like earn some return on it. You could put it into a pool and then, you know, uh, open up channels where people would pay you for you opening up a channel to them. So yes, it's a great way to uh, earn some additional revenue as well as routing. And then when that channel is open through pool, you do get the routing fees from that channel as well. So it's a great kind of uh, way to just earn some passive income, you know, on the lane. Do you have a sense for what that like yield might look like? I know I've seen I've seen a few numbers that people have put out about like what um, pools yield might be for for certain channels and for certain durations, but um, I imagine that changes pretty rapidly over time, right? Like I don't know if there's a do you have a sense for a good mm -hmm. like baseline metric or like what a, a standard yield might be if there is one on pool. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't think I have like specific numbers on like uh, you know size, size of channel in comparison, but uh, we we've seen it hovering around about like thirty to thirty five BPS, and so I think that you people have tried to like extrapolate that out to like APR, which is not kind of a one to one because this isn't something that you know you have you don't have, you don't usually have the channel open for a year; it's much shorter duration. But I've seen uh, you know those the people that do try to extrapolate that out, it's about I think like four and a half to five percent. Um, APR, um, which is decent given that you are still in control of your funds, you know, the whole time. Yeah. And so that, if you were to extrapolate that and you had those like two week time intervals, that would basically just be like selling liquidity 26 different times throughout a year 
to 26, mm-hmm. possibly 26 different participants, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you can, um, you, when like the duration is up, you don't, you're not required to close the channel. Like you could keep it open for longer, but yes. I mean, if you wanted to, okay, just go and sell it again. You could close the channel and just, you know, put up a new, uh, ask on pool and then, you know, get matched with a new person and do the whole thing over again. His, it seems like this is the big, the biggest problem that anyone faces when they're first starting on lightning. And you mentioned before searching telegram groups, trying to get inbound capacity. Um, why is this not a why is this not a thing for for every new node to get inbound capacity? Is that something you guys are thinking about working on? Um, seems like that's that's a, a big constraint for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it definitely is. I mean, I think that the the challenging part is that there's you know there's so many different providers or ways to run nodes, so it's hard to come up with kind of a consistent solution across the board. Um, but that's definitely something that we're we're looking at, and I think that that's something that uh, Flow is kind of aimed to to solve. Is that you know we're you know when you create a uh, node on Voltage, you'll I think we'll soon we're going to be re- like an, releasing it where you automatically get a channel open to you from Flow. So it does do exactly what you're saying of well, you, okay, you don't have to go start searching on Telegram of who to open a channel to. Um, it'll just be done automatically. Um, and I think that, you know, the people like Umbral and those other node solutions could do a, a similar thing where they just, you know, it's, you just automatically get a channel when you um, spin up your Umbral. So I think that those things will be getting solved, you know, over time. I think that goes along with what we talked about previously on more automation and, and ease of onboarding um, as, as we kind of progress through the network. Yeah. And I guess that would be especially helpful for, um, merchants who are receiving payments and, you know, like you guys have a connection with BTC pay server. Um, maybe you can talk a bit more about how that works and like what your what problems you're trying to solve specifically for merchants that are, that are receiving payments. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you, we, we do have like BTC pay server hosting. So if someone does want to, uh, you know, accept payments for, you know, their, their store or something like that, we, we definitely do provide that. And that's, as you're right, that flow is kind of a, a great product for them to uh, get just inbound capacity so people can pay to their store. It's again, like, you know, if you didn't do that, you have to really find, even then, if searching Telegram and stuff like that, you have to convince people to open up channels to you, which is uh, even more hard than figuring out what knows I open up channels from my side to their side. They need to open up from their side to my side to have that inbound capacity. And so that's, that's an even bigger hurdle to get, to get, to convince people of, hey, I just set up my brand new node. You should add, you should, you know, open up a channel with me, which people are pretty adverse to for the most part. So um, it, it really helps with that, where you can just, okay, go to Flow instead, enter in how much you want, and you know, submit your order, and then you have a channel open to you. And you can do that, you know, three, four times, and have three or four good inbound channels from different places on the network, and then you know, you can start accepting payments. Uh, it makes the whole onboarding process for merchants way easier. Do you ever hear from merchants that they're worried about like the price volatility of, of Bitcoin? Do you think that there's like a, I've, I've heard a lot of people talk about um, stable coins on lightning and, mo- and moving that into the lightning space. Do you think that is a constraint as well for merchants that if they're maybe not necessarily wanting to take on Bitcoin's volatility, they're just trying to receive a payment. Do you think that would help to have a, kind of a stable uh, option for them? Um, I, I think it could help. I think that there there's solutions like OpenNode and things like that that are that are custodial, but they do offer kind of that automatic conversion. I think for those that want it, a lot of the people that come to us are the people that uh, are you know big believers in Bitcoin, and they they actually probably want to hold Bitcoin. Um, they don't want to convert it. Um, so that's really the more of the customer base that we see are, is the people that that do not want to convert it. Um, so I think that it just kind of depends on the person and what and what they want and you know what their business needs are. Um, and so there are some solutions to do the conversion. Um, but I, I think that you know to your point about stable coins and things like that, I think that that's going to be um, easier over time as we do more integrations or you know new technology on Lightning to easily do the conversion. You know, in and out of channels, in and out of fiat, things like that. Mm-hmm. What are some of the developments in lightning specifically that you're most excited about right now could be industry-wide doesn't have to be voltage specific 
Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I think that it's great to see like the podcasting 2.0 stuff happening. That's been happening for a little while now, but it, it, it's still increasing, which is great to see. I mean, things like the Fountain Podcast app, um, you know, I, I talk with Oscar quite a bit. Um, it, things like that are, are just great to see that uh, continuing to evolve. You know, it's always uh, kind of disheartening when you see something come out and then it just like falls to the wayside where it's, yeah, it's not used anymore. That was a cool idea. It's great to see the sustained uh, usage of, you know, the value for value model and podcasting. Um, so that that's great. And then I love to see a lot of these newer um, services that are incorporating Lightning, like Stacker News. Um, there's like the Wave, Wave Lake, I think it's like a music streaming service uh, on Lightning. And then um, there's a new like crowdfunding platform that's being worked on through Lightning. So really, I think that that's kind of our immediate uh, path forward with Lightning is taking some fairly like, you know, standard web two things and adding lightning into it to make it a better experience and make it more directly peer to peer. Um, I think that's going to be a big winner, you know, in the short term. And then, you know, maybe we can add in a lot of these other things on top of lightning of, you know, the, the more far out goals, um, you know, down, down the road. So I, I, I'm really excited about those things that are recreating, um, what is historically been in like web two riddled with just, you know, ads or data collection. That's the only way that they monetize and just figuring out that, okay, if we just incorporate lightning, we don't have to steal data or, you know, run ads and things like that. We can um, have people pay for the services that they're using. And these people are willing to pay. They want to contribute, you know, uh, to the, to these services. And I think that that's what I'm most excited about is just really enabling the value for value model and whatever it is, whether it's social media or uh, podcasting, anything, just enabling that direct peer to peer connection is, you know, that's just really exciting for me. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's been really cool to watch. Like I'm, I'm active on both fountain and uh, stacker news and mm -hmm. basically every day I'm getting payments in for, for something or another, whether it's, it's uh, messages or boosts for podcast, whether it's like upvote, you know, stats for an upload or something uh, on Stacker News. Um, it's yeah. really cool to see, you know, there's small amounts, but it's it's very promising to see all the activity and, and just, it seems like it is picking up steam for sure. Um, yeah, and that's, and I'll just, I'll just say, I think that that's another great point about it is that, you know, as you know, you as a content creator, someone that's even if you just write, wrote a post for Stacker News, you get some payment, like every upvote, like sends you a little payment, you know, it's maybe not much like in a single payment, but it's great to see that, okay, like we can actually, you know, interact in a new way and you can get paid just by interacting with the site, which is like, it's just a kind of a crazy idea that is, is working. Yeah. You know, actually it's funny because uh, this week, I think I posted two different things on Stacker News uh, and I also posted them on Twitter. One mm. was, uh, I think it was when the 7% uh, inflation number came out. I posted on Twitter and I posted on Stacker News and I think I got like 40 likes on Twitter and I got about 40 sats on Stacker News. And so it got mm -hmm. me thinking like, it's a small amount, but like what happens if one like equals one sat? If yeah. people start ingraining that in their head that like you can create really good stuff and if it gets viewed by a lot of people and everyone chips in one sat, which is already happening in a small, in a small use case today for me, it's like you can start to see how that, that adds up, right? You know, mm -hmm. someone who gets... Yeah who goes viral on Twitter and, you know, gets a hundred thousand, uh, likes, it will now have a hundred thousand sets. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think there's, I think yeah. there's definitely, um, room to scale that up. And, uh, obviously of course, as the value of sats goes up over time too, it just, it compounds, it just becomes an easier sell. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. Now you mentioned web two a couple of times. I want to hear your take on web three. Is this, is this something that is going to be built on Bitcoin? Is, is Web3, in your view, an extension of Web2 with Lightning integrated? Um, do you like the Web3 term? I, I would love to hear more, your expanded thoughts on that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really I don't really care about the terms. I mean, it's kind of like, I'm one of those people, it's like, you know, you everyone else can figure out what terms you want to use. You know, I think we're thinking about it in a similar way. I think that... The problem with like the Web three term is it's historically you know been associated with Ethereum and all of those those things about how um, you're they're going to reinvent the internet in their way, 
which uh, I think I, I'm of the opinion that that their way is, is incorrect. That it's just it's just the central database. It's just a different central database than Google's. It's just Solana's or whatever whatever it is. Um, so I'm kind of of that opinion. I do think that the you know the Web three, if you want to call it that or whatever, is uh, it will be built on top of Bitcoin and the Lightning Network. Um, I think that it will um, it will be. I think that it's going to be a gradual, you know, shift where a lot of the Web2 things start incorporating Lightning and adding Lightning, um, you know, into it in one way or the other. And then I think that we can, you know, go, that'll gradually shift into more of a a, a true Web3 where things are tr- like really, um, you know, entirely peer-to-peer. There's no um, central authority of any of these things. Um, so... I think that I think it'll be a gradual shift, and we'll start with Web two integrating it, which is what we see, and you know what we just mentioned of Stacker News and things like that. Um, so I think that that's that's kind of the way that we're going. And I, the the reason, really, the reason why I think like that is that I've you know I've talked with a lot of people about this, and they um, people that are not necessarily Bitcoiners by any means, but they they're still stuck in the mind of Bitcoin is limited and it's transactional capacity or it's expensive or it you it can't scale it can't do smart contracts or things like this and once you just kind of explain to them uh that you know you can do a lot of these things that you're talking about just on lightning or through this other thing that may, maybe even it hasn't been released yet but it's it's still possible one day um and once you kind of open the that door to them starting to think like okay well then maybe bitcoin is more usable than i thought is a better um, thing that can build out whatever this, the, the solution or the problem is, um, I think that it really opens up the door to where they start to really critically think like, oh, maybe Bitcoin is the answer. Um, so I think that, you know, what it comes down to, what I'm trying to say here is I think it's still just a lot of misinformation that like Bitcoin can't do X, Y, and Z, that Bitcoin is slow, that Bitcoin does all, like, all of these things. And, if, and if, that's, if that's false and you can do all of these things on top of Bitcoin, why would you not do it on Bitcoin? Why would you mm-hmm. not do it on the the best, you know, the the most secure network in the world? So mm-hmm. I think that you know over time that's just going to flesh itself out as we do more education and people see what's possible. Um, so that's kind of why I think that uh, a lot of this new Web three stuff will be built on Bitcoin because if it's possible, why wouldn't you do that? Yes, hundred percent agree with that. Um, are do you have any missing pieces that you think need to be built for this ecosystem uh, in order to get that Web3 vision or that next iteration of the Internet? Like one of the things that I, I came across recently, um, I, think, I think it's still being worked on, but I saw a, like a teaser tweet from uh, Impervious. I believe they're working on like a browser, like a peer-to-peer browser with lightning payments built in. Like it's just purely lightning, a browser for lightning. I was like, that's really cool. Um, you know, Albi is is doing a mm-hmm. kind of MetaMask style browser extension. Um, that's really cool. The, it feels like those are kind of building blocks that help get to that you know next version of of the internet. Um, do you see any any like screaming obvious uh, things that need to be built um, that that are not in place yet? Yeah, I mean, I think it. I think I maybe mentioned some at the beginning of the interview, but uh, things like you know, just more better tooling for people to build with. So whether it's just you know more standard APIs, better observability into like you know your node and your operations or liquidity management. So there, there's a few things that could definitely be enhanced to make it. Um, some of those are not necessarily uh, requirements, but they're nice to have. But really, when you think about okay, if we are trying to attract all of these people to come build on Lightning and start developing on Lightning, well, we got to have the tools in place for them to use and and develop easily. Um, and I think that we're still on the early days of that. Um, and that's something that, you know, we're, we're trying to focus on is really enabling this next wave of developers that are building on Lightning and how, how are we going to enable them? You know, if we... If they come to the Lightning Network and we have to say, okay, you have to set up your node and you have to make sure you're watching your your channel backup file and then you have to open up your channels to all these places and then you have to monitor them and you have to learn like this gRPC API. It's like they're just going to get overwhelmed and say, now forget it, I'm not going to do this. And so really being able to simplify the process as much as possible and giving them a, a simple and standard interface where they can start developing 
and uh, then just start incorporating it into their apps, I think is like the biggest uh, hurdle um, that we'll be, you know, accomplishing as, you know, as the next phase of lightning pans out. Right. Okay. I got, I got two more questions for you. Quick rapid fire ones here. Um, yes. What's your favorite application on lightning today outside of, outside of voltage? Favorite application on Lightning. Um, so I've been I've been a big fan. God, there's a lot, but I'll say I'll say Zeus. I'm a big fan of Zeus, and really that maybe is like not all that crazy of one, but really for like I'm an iPhone user, and there's like Zap kind of uh, Zap died as far as I know, and so there's not really a good wallet besides Zeus that lets you interface with your node to send and receive. And to me, that's like absolutely critical for us. You know, as the Lightning Network progresses, is a good app that let you interface with your node remotely. Um, and so I've been super bullish on Zeus lately, especially they just redesigned the whole thing. It's getting really, really good. Um, so kudos Evan um, for, for working on that. So I'm super bullish on Zeus. Um, I'm trying to think, another one I'm really excited about is Amboss. I mean, I really like Amboss. I think they have a, a great product and it's really um, coming along, along very well. Um, and it's, uh, their their UI is just great and they, they get a lot of um, good data. So. Um, I'll stop there. There's just, there's a huge list that I could just like, just start rambling for a long time, but we'll leave it at those. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I do. I agree that lightning has to kind of, you know, lightning is a more mobile experience already with like QR scanning and, um, the fact that it's, you know, you're probably not putting in your life savings onto your lightning wallet. It gets a hot wallet. It's, 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 yeah, it's mobile first already. And I think, mm -hmm. yeah, tools to, to make that easier for a node to talk to your phone. I think that'd be, that'd be much, uh, that's much needed. Um, yeah. and then final question for you in, uh, let's say, let's say the year 2025, mm -hmm. um, how many lightning network nodes will there be? 2025. So that's only like three years. Um, what are we at now? Like eighteen thousand ish or something? Um, I think there's there's almost it's yeah it's nineteen thousand three hundred active nodes. Okay. So that's nodes with a channel. Let's use that as the metric. I'm gonna I'm gonna say north of a hundred thousand. Interesting. Okay. And maybe I, I don't know if that's bearish or bullish, um, but I'm gonna say north of a hundred thousand because that's you know 18, that's yeah I mean that's that's a pretty good progression over the years. And I think that I think that it will be easier and easier to run a node and have your own identity on the network. So I'm going to, I'm going to say a hundred thousand. What do you think? What, what's your take on that? I like that prediction. Um, see when you were, when you were talking about how you thought uh, capacity was going to grow faster than nodes, I was thinking mm -hmm. in my head that I almost not, I'm not sure about that. I, I, mm -hmm. part of me was thinking that nodes might, grow faster just because if the velocity of payments increases, then you almost don't need as much capacity. Um, but mm -hmm. it was interesting to hear your take on it. I, I don't know. Um, I, I say, yeah, a hundred thousand seems pretty reasonable. Um, yeah. If I had to pick over or under on a hundred thousand nodes, I would pick over though That's uh -huh. like, as well. I, I think I would too. I'm like, I'm even like thinking through it. I'm feeling a little bearish on the hundred thousand, but I'll stick with it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I think that's a good number. Um, and, and yeah, we'll see. I mean, we'll, that, that's the, I think that's the great thing uh, about this is it's kind of being built out right before our eyes and we can see a lot of these details about how it's progressing. And I think that that's super exciting as we, you know, watch it grow over the years. Yeah. And I mean, some of these, these growth spurts, to be fair, they do come in like, massive waves like we saw one mm -hmm. six or 12 months ago with you know el salvador coming on board it just like everything skyrocketed for a few months it now seems a little more pedestrian in comparison it's still everything's still growing but it, it seems like mm -hmm. it, there was another wave uh, a few years back um it seems like when growth happens it really happens and it's like unlocking lightning for a whole new segment of the population um, so I guess it's a, it's tricky to time that, but I like that prediction regardless. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Um, where can people go to, uh, find more about voltage and about you? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm on Twitter. You can find me at, uh, G K R I Z E K. Um, voltage is voltage.cloud. Um, Twitter is voltage underscore cloud. So 
uh, check us out. Um, just play around with with the platform or Flow, um, or if you just you know want to learn more about Lightning or anything like that, like just hit us up. Um, we're always looking to to educate the best we can and you know help people get on board. So um, even if you know even if you don't want to run a node yet, just hit us up and we'd be happy to point you in whatever direction you you need to go in. Awesome. I really enjoyed the conversation and uh, and thank you for for being the first sponsor of the show. That's huge. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad we could do it. I'm glad we could. I, I mean, I love your show. I've got love what you're got going on here. So we are very excited to be to be able to sponsor. Awesome. Well, uh, I hope everyone, I hope listeners enjoy this episode, and uh, we'll have lots more interesting content for them uh, coming right up. Um, but yeah, thank you for taking the time. Enjoyed this show, and uh, hope we can do it again soon. Yeah, thank you for having me. Welcome to the Lightning Round presented by Voltage. Voltage is the industry-leading provider of Bitcoin and Lightning node infrastructure. Uh, many of your favorite Bitcoin and Lightning apps already use Voltage to manage their business quickly and easily uh, without any maintenance. Voltage also offers a product called Flow. Flow is a uh, inbound liquidity product helping you as a node operator get inbound liquidity quickly and easily. Overall, Voltage is creating the industry standard suite of non-custodial products, uh, helping brands and engineers and startups scale. If you want to learn more about them, you can check them out at voltage.cloud. Now it's time to get into the lightning round. And today we have three messages that came in uh, since last episode. Um, at Mud to Monarch on Fountain says, dope, in response to episode one with Oscar Mary. Um, that was a great episode. It's still one of the uh, most popular episodes uh, of the show so far. Highly recommend it if you have not seen episode one. Um, it's all about lightning podcasting. Uh, Bobby sent in a couple stats and says, What's up, Kevin? It's Bobby. Excited to listen to this one. I invested 1K into Scare City. Pump my bags? Consider your bags pumped, Bobby. We, we had a great episode uh, last week with Scare City. Um, Chris Tremont, great guest, and uh, I learned a ton from him. Um, we also got in a message from Peter, who, who was not super excited about last week's show. He says, wow, NFT digital collectibles seem like such a huge scam. This guest comes off like a get-rich-quick sleazeball. Yikes. Tell us how you really feel, Peter. Um, I, I get the frustration. I, I, I think there's a lot of nuance here in the NFT discussion. Um, Overall, I don't agree. I think that the NFT movement is not going to be stopped. I think this is here to stay, NFTs in some capacity. Um, whether they live on Ethereum or Bitcoin or Solana or whatever uh, is up for debate. I think it's going to live on Bitcoin, and I think Scarcity is pushing in that direction, and I think they're, they're building that future. Um, so I'm excited to, to see what they build. I think there's going to be room in in the future um, for digital collectibles. I don't think that's up for debate. Um, and I think it makes sense that it lives on Bitcoin. Um, so excited to see what they build. Um, hope you guys enjoyed this episode today. Uh, if you have any other questions about the show, fire them off, send me a message on uh, Fountain or your favorite lightning podcasting app. And can't wait to read all of your questions and comments next week.